There's rules I love to break and bend. Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. And a good Wednesday morning, St. Louis and all points. North, east, south, and west. Kevin Slayton with you as we welcome you in. This is the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World, Kings Court, on kevinslaytonshow.com. Glad you're with us this morning. This is a live show. This is where you come every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 Central Time, to get the unvarnished truth backed by facts and evidence. That's what we deliver and we deliver people's words to indict themselves almost always. Your uh, comments are always welcome. Your views are welcome, whether they are friend or foe. 636-348-4460. 636-348-4460. A little bit later on this morning on the show, Owen Schroyer will join us. Owen was released from federal prison last Friday morning. He is a friend of the show. We have worked together, mentored Owen back in the day. He has been a star on the Alex Jones Infowars uh, shows and uh, unbelievably imprisoned by the Nazi regime in Washington and their gulags. And so Owen will join us a little bit later on this morning to tell of his experience. But we do know that uh, he was able to shower just three days a week in cold water with handcuffs on. That much we know. And we will get the firsthand version from Owen Schroyer a little bit later on this morning. Big news broke this morning in the sports world. The Blues fired their head coach, Craig Berube, after the game last night. The Blues lost to Detroit 6-4, to gave up three third-period goals, including an empty netter. And the Blues have lost four in a row and now have lost their coach. Now, this is a team that prior to the season, general manager Doug Armstrong declared he expected to finish somewhere in the middle third of the pack, and that's exactly where they are. So why are you firing your coach? The only coach, by the way that has ever led the franchise to a Stanley Cup victory. So the Blues continue to get it wrong. Doug Armstrong traded away almost all of the pieces that won the Stanley Cup and now has fired the coach. When is Doug Armstrong going to be held accountable? We seem to have that problem in St. Louis. With baseball, John Moselock's never held accountable. Hockey, Doug Armstrong's never held accountable. We'll see what happens. They've replaced Craig Berube with... Drew Bannister, he was the Blues minor league coach in Springfield, and he will come up to handle the chores starting tomorrow night against Ottawa at home here in St. Louis. So big news out of a Blues camp, and not good news for the chief, Craig Berube. Hopefully we'll have Coach Berube or Doug Armstrong or both on our sports show, our Monster Energy Drink STL-Cars.com sports show, Today at noon on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Don't forget that show will be live from the Irish Gypsy Pub and Grill in O'Fallon, Missouri on Bryan Road tomorrow afternoon at noon. So we've got a lot going on in the next 24, 48 hours. Hunter Biden is summoned for a deposition this morning at 8.30 Central Time. I don't expect him to show up. 
If he doesn't, Congress is threatening to hold him in contempt of Congress. We'll see where that goes and what kind of punishment that results in if indeed it happens. Who knows? But he's so arrogant that he'll he and his arrogant lawyer who's more arrogant, by the way, Hunter Biden or Abby Lowell, his lawyer? It's a toss up. It's too close to call, as LaRusso would say. But we're going to hear from several people this morning. John Ewellway, and he is a former U.S. attorney on Jack Smith, the corrupt special prosecutor that Merrick Garland chose to pursue bogus charges against President Trump. Smith is now trying to go directly to the Supreme Court, bypass the appeals court in the federal system, bypass the district court in the federal system, and get a ruling on whether Donald Trump has immunity as president during the January 6th protest. That's almost never been done. And John, you will weigh in on it. He'll tell you what he thinks about it. All of the talk about the corrupt election continues, by the way. We've got a clip of William Barr, the very attorney general that Donald Trump appointed, the very attorney general that was supposed to investigate election corruption in 2020, the very attorney general who said there was not widespread fraud in the 2020 election, that very attorney general takes down Wolf Blitzer of CNN by claiming exactly the opposite, that mail-in ballots leads to widespread fraud. (laughs) Where did he think mail-in ballots originated? Pretty much in the 2020 election. First time it was widespread. The COVID excuse was there. You're also going to hear this morning an actress by the name of Raymond Simone, Raven Simone, just shoot down Oprah Winfrey and her bigoted agenda. Oprah is nothing but a tremendously overweight activist racist now. Uh, She used to have a show that people watched. No one cares what Oprah does anymore because she's become a big mouth racist. And Raven Simone shot her down. It's classic stuff. You'll love it. And it was during an interview, supposedly. I call it interview. It's not really. And then you're going to hear from a black man in Chicago. Detail what black people in Chicago are thinking come the 2024 election. I think you want to hear that. Dr. Carol Swain's going to weigh in on the plagiarism claims of President Claudine Gay of Harvard. She plagiarized Dr. Swain's work, and Carol Swain will weigh in on that. Chris Rufo, an alum of Harvard, will also tell you what he has found out about the plagiarism. All of that and more coming, including Mike Johnson, the Speaker of the House, telling us what he told Ukraine President Zelensky yesterday when he was in town begging for more money. (laughs) That will come your way. You'll hear from a research associate at Harvard telling the world why they shouldn't be firing Claudine Gay, but you'll hear Ted Cruz say, resign. It's all still to come. Right here this morning and only this morning in the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, Window World, King's Court, right here on kevinslaytonshow.com. A quick warning to you, though, if you have health insurance and or don't have health insurance, if you have it, get peace of mind by knowing that you have the best. If you don't have it, you need to get it. In either case, call Jordan Krugman. It's a perfect time if you don't have health insurance 
to start considering your health care options for next year because open enrollment is ongoing and goes through January 15th. If you have health insurance, a perfect time to reconsider what kind of plan you have. Jordan will do either. He'll handle it for you and take a look at your policy and tell you, hey, you should have peace of mind. You've got the best plan available. Or here's what I can do for you. You be the judge. 314-602-4055. That's the number to call Jordan. 314-602-4055. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net. Online, that's where you can find him. Thehealthinsuranceguy.net. He's got a lot of low-cost alternative plans that uh, you may or may not be aware of, including plans that have a zero deductible. I never did know that. I was very glad I called him, by the way, because he changed my policy. He's always planning to eliminate your out-of-pocket costs, not to reduce them. His plans are designed to eliminate them. And he's a broker, so he will design a plan specifically for you based on your financial needs and your health insurance needs, put it together, take it to all of the different insurance companies, and get you the best deal. He doesn't work for the insurance companies. He's not an agent. He's a broker. He works for you. It's perfect. And he never charges broker fees. Any appointment you have can be done virtually from your own home, right from your couch. He's licensed in 23 states, including Missouri and Illinois. And all you have to do is call Jordan, 314-602-4055. If you're getting close to Medicare age and you're getting inundated with mail from the insurance companies, throw it away. Call Jordan. He'll explain it to you step-by-step so you can understand it. Did you know that most Advantage plans under Medicare have a zero monthly premium? And if you're concerned about pre-existing condition coverage, there are new options that cover it. And a lot of extras, Jordan will tell you about. Gym memberships, transportation services, hearing aids among them. 314-602-4055. TheHealthInsuranceGuy.net. That's Jordan Krugman. All right, let's get this show on the road because Owen Shoyer is going to join us a little later on. This crime family known as the Biden Crime Syndicate just keeps rearing its ugly head, and we'll find out more this morning if Hunter Biden is going to continue to defy the law and ignore a subpoena. But Steve Hilton, who once hosted a show on Fox on Sunday nights, understands that the Biden business model looks very familiar to all of us. It's actually bigger than Joe Biden and Hunter Biden because the Biden family business model, which is to exploit public office for private and personal financial gain, that is the swamp business model. That's why you hear so many people saying there's no wrongdoing because they don't think it's wrong because they are all doing it. That doesn't make it right. It needs to be exposed. We elect politicians to represent us Mm -hmm. and do things for us, not to serve themselves. Carpe diem to Steve Hilton. And, of course, a politician who is an attention whore, Chris Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, endorsed Nikki Haley yesterday. Woo! I'll bet Donald Trump is shaking his boots. I think he has a 35-point lead in New Hampshire, maybe even greater than that. (laughs) They can say and talk all they want and say whatever they want, these idiot Republicans, and there is no way Donald Trump isn't going to get the nomination. Fold your camp, Nikki Haley. You're not going to be chosen as vice president either. I can't imagine that scenario. But you're certainly not going to be the presidential nominee from the Republican Party. That's for sure. Now, as we see Hunter get ready to 
testify under deposition, which I doubt will happen. Jim Jordan understand who exactly is lying in this Hunter Biden tax case. The White House's story has changed multiple times. The Justice Department's story has changed multiple times. But the story and the testimony from Mr. Ziegler and Mr. Shapley has not changed, has not wavered, and it has stood up, stood up under several hours of cross-examination in the Oversight Committee when we had a hearing. Their testimony has been validated by every single witness we've talked to. We've now talked to three U.S. attorneys, two FBI agents, and other people in the Justice Department as part of our work and the depositions and interviews we've done. No one has refuted what Mr. Shapley and Mr. Ziegler have said. We issued a report this morning, just came out talking about this, that their testimony has stood up, and their testimony has stood up. You know why? Because they're the ones telling the truth. And today they're going to release more information. More information today. Wow, that's interesting. The day that Hunter Biden is supposed to testify, those whistleblowers are going to release more. But you heard what Jordan said. The story of the White House and Hunter Biden changes from day to day. It just depends on what's convenient for them today. But the testimony of the two whistleblowers has never changed. It has stood the test of cross-examination by radical liberals. It has stood the test of any facts coming out to refute it. None have. So the only people telling the truth here are the whistleblowers. That's usually the case. Criminals very rarely tell the truth. Now, there can be whistleblowers who have an agenda. That has happened. But that's why you examine them. You examine their testimony. You subject them to cross-examination. And you find out if they're telling the truth. And in this case, these two whistleblowers have had their testimony stand at the test of cross-examination. The people that have changed their story are the people that are in trouble. And that would be Hunter Biden and his lawyer, Abby Lowell. I don't know how people like Abby Lowell sleep at night. I really don't. There are lawyers out there who do great work. And then there are lawyers like Abby Lowell, who's just a money whore, a political hack. That's all he is. If you pay him enough money, he'll make up defenses for you. He'll create stuff that doesn't exist. He'll lie. He'll do whatever it takes. I suppose if you're on the verge of going to jail, you want someone like that who will lie for you. But I think more lawyers should be called to account by bogus bar associations. Bar associations exist really for no reason. They're another political arm of the legal system. If you're friends with the bar association, they'll take care of you. If you're not, they don't care. What they should be doing is examining lawyers' conduct and the conduct of people like Abby Lowell. This is a guy who is ungodly. I think he's one of the most corrupt lawyers in the country. And he'll say and do anything. And he's doing that with Hunter Biden. He knows he's got a guilty client. He's already made in a plea deal an admission that the guy illegally purchased a firearm. Now he's trying to get that dismissed. Dismissed on what? On what charge? On what grounds? More lies? Keep changing your story, Abby. As long as you get paid a lot. That's your game. That's what people like him do. And then we've got the case of Jack Smith. You want to talk about a corrupt attorney? An attorney who should be disbarred? This guy should be disbarred. 
He is a political hack. There's no place for those in the legal system. He will go whichever way the liberals pay him to go. He will tell any lie. He will make any charge. He will create it out of the clear blue sky. As long as it's politically expedient for liberals. Exhibit A, his case that he filed against President Trump over some bogus January 6th nonsense. Here's how that case ends, and it ends the same way every single time. It ends with President Trump's lawyers playing this piece of video, audio tape. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. So go ahead, Jack Smith. Waste take taxpayer money and continue to try to tell somebody who will listen that Donald Trump somehow created a riot. First of all, there was no riot. There was no insurrection. There was a protest that was much less violent than any of the Black Lives Matter protests, none of which you called an insurrection, none of which you sued or pressed charges against anyone. And that's how it ends. Now, we all know that, but he will continue to waste your taxpayer money. And now he's gone above the district court level, above the fe- the uh, federal appeals court level, and appealed to the Supreme Court to hear his claim that D- President Trump should not have immunity during the January 6th day of protest. Immunity from what, of course, is the question. What did Donald Trump do that was illegal? Nothing. But the president's lawyers have properly asserted the immunity defense just in case some wild-ass jury that they've concocted in D.C., which, of course, they've done, should try to rule against him. And the Supreme Court has said, fine, we will hear that. We'll give President Trump's attorneys until the 20th of December, and we're going to hear this case. I guarantee you right now, guarantee you that Smith loses. If Smith doesn't lose this case, with six conservative justices, three of which Trump appointed. Two other ones that we know are Trump supporters, then we give up. The political factory is just like the Nazi industrial complex. It's never to be challenged again. If you had nine liberals on the court, Trump should win this motion. It shouldn't even be heard, but... I'm fine with the Supreme Court hearing it. John Yu is a former U.S. attorney. What's up with this motion, John? This is an example of how the special counsel and the judge here want to take this decision. What do people think of what President Trump did back on January 6, 2021? Take it out of the ballot box and try to decide it in the courtroom. And this is a prime example. What the special counsel is doing here is unprecedented. The only really important time this has ever happened before was in the Nixon-Watergate tapes case. And what the special counsel wants here is for the Supreme Court to reach down and intervene, essentially in the trial proceedings of the court here, and review prematurely whether President Trump is immune 
from prosecution for the events of January uh, January 6th. Incredibly, he wants the Supreme Court to intervene in a presidential election because Smith's only motivation is to get a speedy trial against President Trump, get a conviction in the D.C. court, which of course is a given, and then tell the whole world that Donald Trump is convicted, he should not be elected president. That's their whole goal here. They know he hasn't committed any crimes, but they've got a ready-made fixed jury. You want to talk rigged? You think the election was rigged? Try being Donald Trump facing off against a D.C. jury if you want to talk about rigged. (laughs) And that's all that they want. And you have to scratch your head and say to yourself after listening to John Yu, how many similar cases take this route? going past the federal court at the trial level, the district court, going past the federal appeals court, straight to the Supreme Court. How many similar cases take this route, John Yu? 99.9999% of cases. This would proceed by going to the appeals court. Appeals courts help the Supreme Court by hearing the issue first, considering it, issuing an opinion. And this court in Washington, D.C. specializes in separation of powers, the presidency, and immunity claims. They just issued a decision on a similar point just last week and two weeks ago. Yeah. So why not let the normal procedure go? It's because Jack Smith wants to get this case decided, so it's smack in the middle of the election. Bingo. That's it 100%. Smack in the middle of the election. That's all the liberals care about. They don't have any policy ideas to move forward and get elected on. They simply want to destroy Donald Trump and his life. That's what they want. Nothing more, nothing less. It's very bizarre, except if you follow them, it's not so bizarre. It's very bizarre under normal circumstances throughout the 200-plus year history of our country. However, it's not that surprising or not that bizarre when you consider the liberals of today. The people that have tried and continue to try to destroy the country, the people that have infiltrated our institutions and our universities and are destroying the country from within. Ronald Reagan was correct when he said we shouldn't fear outside enemies. We should fear the people within. They're known as liberals. He was dead on. And... Despite the fear-mongering done by Biden claiming that Putin's going to take over the world if we don't give Zelensky more money, the, the enemies are Biden and his regime and the liberals who run the universities in this country. That has been exposed in spades thanks to the Republicans in the House of Representatives holding those hearings with those three liberal freaks who run MIT, Harvard, and used to run Penn. But they'll still run Penn. It'll just be a different name. And until you get rid of them, it'll stay the same. But how do you get rid of them? You have to change the culture. How do you change the culture? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure how. These the, the, the rot from within in this country is palpable. One way to stop it is for Republicans or conservatives to get a spine, stand up and say no more. No more. 
It's incredible what's going on in this country. Now, William Barr, who is, of course, an enemy of the state as far as I'm concerned, he's an enemy of the Trump campaign, an enemy of Donald Trump personally, and a fraud who likes to play tough guy when he gets on television with a liberal, but the truth is he is a liberal when it comes to Donald Trump. He, like all of the corrupt liberals, would like to see Trump not run. William Barr can't take it that he was a failed attorney general, a miserable failure, actually. He was tarred and feathered when he was called before Congress to testify. He was slapped around like a little five-year-old, and he did nothing about it. It was at that moment that I thought to myself, I'm glad to see this because William Barr now will stand up against these people finally. But he didn't. In fact, he capitulated on the on the fraud election, claiming there was no widespread fraud. However, when Wolf Blitzer talked about the beauty of mail-in ballots, Barr nearly had a heart attack. As the bipartisan commission chaired by Jimmy Carter and James Baker said back in 2009 that mail-in voting is fraught with the risk of fraud and coercion. But since then, and, there and until a lot this administration, well, proved it. Though. Let me talk. Yeah, please. Uh, and since this, since that time, there have been in the newspapers, in networks, academic studies saying it is open to fraud and coercion. The only time the narrative changed is after this administration came in. But elections that have been held with mail, have found substantial fraud and coercion. For example, we indicted someone in Texas, 1,700 ballots collected he from people who ha- could vote. He made them out and voted for the person he wanted to. Okay? Because that I'll, kind of thing happens with mail-in ballots, are, and everyone knows But that. there are individuals, uh, cases, but as far as widespread fraud... We haven't seen that since... Uh, well, we, have, we haven't had the kind of widespread use of mail-in ballots that's being proposed. We've had absentee ballots from people who request them from a specific address. Now what we're talking about is mailing them to everyone on the voter list when everyone knows those voter lists are inaccurate. People who should get them don't get them, which is what has been one of the major complaints in states that have tried this in, in municipal elections. And... Uh, People who get them are not the right people. They're people who have replaced the, ocup- the previous occupant, and they can make them out. And sometimes multiple ballots come to the same address with a whole genera- several generations of occupants. Do you think that's a way to run a vote? Well, I don't know, William Barr. You're the one who said it was fine. And what do you mean we haven't had widespread use of the mail-in ballots? We certainly did in 2020 when you were the attorney general. You were responsible for election safety and security. You failed miserably. When President Trump asked you to investigate it, you didn't do it. Instead, you lied and said you found no widespread voter fraud. You didn't even investigate. Everybody knows that now. So when you make the claim that voter uh, mail-in ballots are ripe for fraud, widespread fraud, you said, You didn't even take the time to investigate it. That's how pathetic you are. You might be the most pathetic figure in in the history of the swamp that is Washington. Because you had a chance to say, "Uh uh-uh, this election is not on the up and up. There was widespread fraud. Donald Trump is the winner, and it should go to the Supreme Court. But you didn't do it. Why you didn't do it? 
because you don't have the balls to do it. That's why. You're a coward. You're a George W. Bush coward. That's where your loyalty lies with the Bush clan. Stupidly, Donald Trump appointed you as attorney general, one of the dumbest things Trump's ever done. How you don't see your enemy who's standing right in front of you is beyond me. But that's what happened. And so when you appointed, when Donald Trump appointed Barr, he was appointing George W. Bush. And then he got George W. Bush. And that's what happened. Now, why are the liberals so fraught with fear? Why do they want to take Donald Trump down? Why does Jack Smith want to break all protocol with the Supreme Court and bypass two levels of federal court scrutiny in order to get a decision right now? Why? Because Donald Trump is kicking their ass. And Sean Steele, who is a pollster, understands it. 538 said that, uh, and that's a left-wing organization, said that Biden is the least popular president in modern history. And all they do is do polls, real clear politics, same kind of thing. It's not just one poll. Wall Street Journal's very, let's say, they don't take chances, and it's not really friendly to Trump. And all of them have Trump way ahead. Remember what I've told you, as Sean Steele just pointed out, these are left-wing polls. So by that, I mean, they question out of 100 people, 75 are liberals, registered Democrats. So that's why you get all of these numbers usually favorable to Democrats. This is how poorly Biden is doing. The most unpopular president in history. Imagine if this were a a poll that was fairly done. Trump's winning when it's skewed against him. And Sean Steele understands why. Uh, everything Biden touched seems to turn bad. It's, you know, obviously the inflation, the economy, but the whole world's on fire. People sort of remember it was calm under, society was calm. It seemed to be safer under Trump. But yeah. under this circumstance, these polls are going bad. It's great news for Trump, bad news for uh, Biden. Yes, it is. And so since that's the case, enter Jack Smith. Enter the liberal crooks. Time to derail the Trump campaign. It's going way too well. Even the liberals couldn't have imagined it would go this well. Remember, they tried everything before they started filing charges against him. Let's indict him now because nothing we've tried has worked. These people who are going to vote for Trump have not gone away like we thought they would. Even Democrats are crossing over. Independents in droves are all for Trump. Now we've got to do something else. Let's indict him everywhere. So they've done that. Now they want to bypass the normal legal processes and ignore the federal district court, ignore the federal appeals court, and go right to the Supreme Court and get a ruling. Liberals don't care about the law. They don't care about the process. They care about maintaining power. And in this case, destroying Trump. That's their goal. Have you heard about this Obama movie? That uh, Remember what I, I've said when people ask me, have you seen such and such on Netflix? And I answer honestly and truthfully every time, I don't watch Netflix because Obama has a financial interest in Netflix. And as long as he has a financial interest in Netflix, I will not watch anything on Netflix. He is one of the most corrupt racists in the country. Why would I support a corrupt racist? I won't. 
So I guess he's uh, put a movie out, he and his uh, significant other, Mikey Obama, who I still suspect will run for president. And this movie is, of course, what else? A racist view of the world. And here's a clip with two black people, a man and a woman, talking about the end of the world, I guess. And, of course, they can't resist telling you that white people are not to be trusted. I'm asking for you to remember that if the world falls apart, trust should not be dulled out easily to anyone, especially white people. Even mom would agree with me on that. Even mom would agree. So moms are bigoted racist, too. Black bigoted racist, just like the woman speaking those lyrics, or those words, I should say, and the black guy that was lying there with her. Why would that be part of a script? No one's to be trusted, especially white people. That's Obama. That's the Obama worldview. The only white person Obama cares about is the white person that can help him somehow get power. Otherwise, he doesn't care about white people. He uses white people. He's always used white people. Even though, I guess because he is a self-hater, he's as much white as he is black. Let's repeat that for people, because Obama needs to have it sink through his skull. Barry Hussein Obama is exactly as much white as he is black. That's how deranged he is. That as a 50% whitey and a 50% black guy, he hates his white part voraciously. And he hates everything white around him. Unless money turned white, then he would love that. Obama is a money whore, a, a pathological liar, and an unending bigoted racist. That's what he is. So for those who don't want to hear the truth, go elsewhere. And you can shove it up your you-know-what. But that's what Obama is. And always remember, he's as white as he is black. Every time he speaks, have that thought in your head. You're as white as you are black, you racist son of a bitch. Because that's what he is. He's sickening. And now he's making race-baiting racist movies. Who would watch that crap? I mean, I hope Netflix goes bankrupt. If it depends on me, it will. I don't care how good a program is, I'll never watch it if it's on Netflix. And by the way, from what I have, have, have seen in the past, they don't put much on that's worth watching to begin with. Now here's another bigoted racist, and that's Oprah. Big fat tub of lard Oprah. Raven Simone is a young black actress who sat down with Oprah for an interview for some reason. I don't know why. And Raven Simone told Oprah that she doesn't consider herself a black American, that she's not an African American, that she's an American. Oprah didn't like that. I don't know where my roots go to. Mm -hmm. I don't know how far back they go. I can't go on, you know. I don't know how far back, and I don't know what country in Africa I'm from. But I do know that my roots are in Louisiana. Mm -hmm. I'm an American. And that's a colorless person. Because we're all people. I have lots of things running through my veins. I mean, you're going to get a lot of flack for saying you're not African-American. You know that, right? I don't label myself. Okay. So I want you to say what you really mean by that. What I really mean by that is I'm an American. That's what I really mean. I... 
have darker skin. I have a nice, interesting grade of hair. I connect with Caucasian. I connect with Asian. I connect with black. I connect with Indian. I, I connect with each culture. You are a melting pot in one body. Aren't <laughs> yes. we all? Yes. Isn't that what America's supposed to be? Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. That's what sure. it's supposed to be. I personally feel that way. Carpe gazillion times DM to Raven Simone. Any movie you're in, I will pay to watch. Anything Oprah's involved in, I will ignore. Did you hear that bigot trying to beg this woman to say something racially motivated? You know you're going to catch a lot of flack for saying you're not African American. You know that, don't you? What do you mean by that, she says. How about Raven Simone's response? What I mean is, I'm an American. Pretty simple, right? I'm an American. I have a, I have a lot of cultures flowing through me. That's what America's supposed to be, right? And how about Oprah? In her condescending way, that's what it's supposed to be. Oh, okay. Because poor little Oprah has been oppressed. I shouldn't say poor little Oprah. Poor gigantic Oprah has been oppressed. Poor thing. She is sickening. She really is sickening. From from someone who was once so popular, as soon as you become the, a racist and let everybody know that you are a racist, Oprah was always a racist, but she then decided after she'd made her billions, now I can let people know I'm a racist because I don't need their money. As soon as you become that, people can't stomach you. A lot of people couldn't stomach her before, but they really can't stand her now. I actually used to watch Oprah's show, Crazy Me. Raven, Simone, you are a heroine to everybody out there. You didn't take her crap. You were not afraid of her. You weren't intimidated by her. You were a young, confident woman telling her exactly what you are and what America means to you. Good for you. Carpe diem, Raven, Simone. Now, in Chicago, uh, that idiot mayor up there, that black lunatic who took over for Beetlejuice, has brought as many illegals as he can into the city of Chicago. And, of course, the taxpayers of Illinois are paying for it all. But some of the black residents of Chicago don't like it, and they predict bad news for Democrats in Chicago, of all places. The only reason that I can see that they uh, would be doing this is to replace us. And we say Trump 2024, because Trump is the only one who's going to do something about this. And partner with all of America. This this, This is where all of America has got to come together and put a stop to this. We have to send these people back where they come from, or this is going to explode violently. It's going to explode on multiple fronts. And, and the, the mayor and this governor doesn't care. And since they don't care, then we must go red. We must link up with all of America. And, and we care, and we have to do something about it. We're coming for every elected official that didn't step up and all those that, that, that supported uh, this mass, I mean, wipe out of our, our, our communities. We're coming for you. By the time Trump gets ready to to, uh, um, to run in November, Chicago is going to look like a sea of red. When that Democratic National Convention get here, you're going to see so many red T-shirts that you're going to think you're in Texas. Carpe diem. How about that? You gotta love that guy. He's right. People need to stand up to this. This, that, that mayor up there is so ungodly corrupt and such a racist bigot, it's not even funny. 
Black people are tired of it. And that white, fat-ass governor, what's with these liberals? Can none of them go on a diet? Good Lord. They're all eating well. But Pritzker's one of my favorites. He's one of the dumbest people. You know, with all of the money he was born into, you'd think he would have had some sort of a good education. He's as dumb as the day is long. But that's Illinois for you. Again, Illinois should be split. Southern Illinois should be its own state. Then Northern Illinois can be another state. And that's the way it should be. That's the way the state is. And everybody knows it. Now, this Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, in her testimony last week in Congress, we all know by now what a racist she is and what an anti-Semite she is. And she's black. And I guarantee you, when someone would say on the campus of Harvard, genocide to all blacks, that person would be expelled immediately. But it's okay to say genocide to all Jews. Keep in mind, Harvard has been rated last in the country. The worst when it comes to freedom of speech on the campus. So when genocide to Jews is chanted by groups harassing Jewish students on the campus, all of a sudden, Harvard has a conscience about the First Amendment freedom of speech. Well, that's protected speech, they say now. When they are last among all universities in freedom of speech. That's unbelievable, by the way. It's almost as unbelievable as how many times Fox has Nikki Haley on their air. Fox has their own agenda, man. It's Haley, Haley, Haley. And if not Haley, it's Christie. It's one of the two. And they've, tr- they've tried desperately to make a star out of this attention whore, Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire. You're the governor of New Hampshire, dude. Your state is about as big as Belleville. So relax. No one cares who you endorse. But Nikki Haley thinks it's cool. She's a loser. But anyway, I digress. So Claudine Gay has continued to lie, but not only to lie, but she's a plagiarist. So she fits right in with the liberal mold. Because we know who was a plagiarist before. He got to the White House. And now the president of Harvard is a plagiarist. And it's been uncovered. And who's she plagiarizing? The works of Dr. Carol Swain. Dr. Swain, who has risen up from about as humble of roots as you could possibly begin with, to being probably the most respected voice in academia in this country. She's a black woman who takes no grief from liberals at all. And here's Claudine Gay writing in her dissertation to get tenure plagiarizing Dr. Swain's work. Yes, um, in 1993, I published a book, Black Faces, Black Interests, The Representation of African Americans in Congress. That book won three national prizes, was cited uh, by the Supreme Court on three occasions, three different sites, and Library Choice Magazine selected the book as one of the outstanding uh, books uh, of its year. And so that book... There was a sentence and also part of a paragraph where she uh, 
used the word, but she did not put quotation marks around it. But I'm more concerned that her whole research agenda that earned her uh, tenure, it really builds on my research, and she does not uh, acknowledge that in her articles. It's like her whole research agenda came from black faces, black interests, and the impact of my work. And I believe that her committee and the reviewers and the people who have pushed her along, they are as much to blame as she is. Carpe diem, Carol Swain. Carol Swain is one of my heroes. Every time she speaks, I perk up. I I listen. I don't care what I'm doing. If I hear her on a television show, I listen. Every time she speaks... She has something intelligent to say. And you can count on what she says as being factual, being well-researched. Everything about Carol Swain is the American dream. Humble roots probably should have quit a hundred times, but she never would. She was helped along the way by people with good intentions she then made her way to Princeton. She is one of the most decorated academicians in this country, and rightly so. And Claudine Gay has the unmitigated gall to plagiarize her work, the work that she did, all of the research that she did, all of the hard work that she put in. This lazy ass calling herself president of Harvard steals her work calls it her own in order to get tenure in order to become president of Harvard. What else did she do? Dr. Swain. She has me listed in her bibliography, but she doesn't uh, engage the work. She doesn't acknowledge that her work is derivative of my work. She doesn't even mention my work in the literature review. And to me, uh, that was more serious because it looks like she came up with the idea or this, this is her, her work. I see a woman whose work would not have warranted tenure in the Ivy League, even if it wasn't plagiarized. Wow. Thank you, Dr. Swain. So not only does she not warrant tenure in the Ivy League, she sure as hell doesn't belong as president of Harvard. That's obvious. But Harvard doesn't care. Because Harvard's run by nothing but liberals. Harvard's board voted 100% to keep her after that debacle in Congress last week. On the flip side, Penn had the president of their board of trustees resign along with the president, M. Liz McGill, who testified equally poorly in Congress. Now, we're not confused it's not like Penn is going to now put some sort of conservative in charge of their liberal outpost. But at least they had the good sense to get rid of the nitwit that testified. Now, she's not going away completely. She's going to be running their law school department. <laughs> so her Marxist views will still be strongly exposed at Penn. But students at Penn should start to get the hint. We know what she is now. She's an anti-Semite. So is Claudine Gay. Now, it is amazing that the people who run Harvard 
continue to give Gay a pass. The alums don't. Bill Ackman, a billionaire, has withdrawn his billions from Harvard, and others have too. Chris Rufo is a Harvard alum. He's also a journalist and a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Does this go deeper than we can imagine? This goes deeper than you might imagine. On Sunday, I broke the story of the Claudine Gay plagiarism scandal on my Substack. Uh, then, a few days later, the great reporter Aaron Sabarium broke additional instances of plagiarism at the Washington Free Beacon. And now, three professors have come forward alleging that Gay stole from their work to varying degrees of severity. Uh, we're talking about a large portion of all of her published papers, which are actually very few in number. She's not a prolific scholar by any sense of the word. Uh, and it is really damn But the twist is that uh, if she were a run-of-the-mill university president, she would have been out yesterday. But Harvard has decided, because because of her race, because of her gender, and more importantly, because of her politics, they have to do everything they can to save her. The key there was her race and her politics. That's why they want to save her. She's black. Can't get rid of her. Cannot get rid of her. That would be impossible, right? No can do. (laughs) Rufo, how much has Harvard lost? And does Harvard have any credibility anymore? They've lost reportedly a billion dollars in donations, uh, but that's all worth it because she is the great totem, the great avatar of left-wing identity politics. She enforces the principles of DEI at Harvard, and this is the real heart of the story. Harvard has abandoned its classical motto, veritas, meaning truth, all for racial politics. This is the story of our time. And it is racial politics. Imagine if Claudine Gay were white. How fast would Claudine Gay have been fired at Harvard? She would have been forced to resign. They would have given her the opportunity to resign. But if you don't resign, we're firing you. Would the board at Harvard have been 100% in favor of retaining a white Claudine Gay? Not in a million years. Remember, this is Chris Rufo, who is an alum of Harvard, saying this. And he's right. He's right. Any time a Harvard student has uttered a discouraging word about, against any other group other than Jews, gay has expelled them. But if you don't like Jews, Harvard is your home. Harvard is the center of anti-Semitism in this country. Imagine that. Harvard. Chris Rufo, is Harvard simply a warning bell? Uh, It's symbolic of what's happening everywhere. Uh, As I detailed in my book, America's Cultural Revolution, left-wing radicals have taken over all of the elite culture-shaping institutions in our country, with very few exceptions. And conservatives need to get serious. We need to develop a strategy for recapturing these institutions, for taming these institutions, and for revitalizing these institutions in support of American principles of freedom, equality, merit, excellence, and accomplishment. Harvard is the key prize. And so I'm going to be fighting. Uh, Harvard threatened the New York Post with to bury the New York Post in lawsuits if they reported this story. I was not scared. I'm never going to back down. I'm going to keep coming after the university, of which uh, I'm an alumnus, uh, until this travesty is over and until we have restored truth as the highest principle of Harvard University. 
Carpe quadruple diem, Christopher Rufo. Here's the Harvard Honor Code and what it says about plagiarizing. Plagiarizing violates the standards of our community as well as the standards of the wider world of learning and affairs, whatever that means. You know, some jackass wrote that. But plagiarizing violates the standards of our community. That part we all understand. The other was nonsensical double talk from some stupid intellectual who fancies themselves as smart. Now, Harvard has an endowment that is out of this world, so a billion dollars, which sounds like a lot, and is a lot, it won't, it won't shut their doors. I wish it would. I wish Harvard would go bankrupt. It's incredible. I wonder how much money President Trump will now donate to Penn because he went to the Wharton School of Business there. My guess is they've seen the last of the Trump dollars. <laughs> well, if you if you donate to these schools, MIT, Penn, or Harvard, and of course a whole lot of the other ones, you're exposing yourself as an anti-Semite. You hate Jews. How many Jewish donors do you think these schools will have anymore? And they've had a lot. I can only imagine zero would be the number. Jack Newson Porter is a research associate at Harvard. Now, it appears to me that most of these cowards on the faculty at Harvard, over 700 of them who signed a letter supporting gay, and then this board of trustees unanimously voted to retain her, all of whom are anti-Semites, all of whom are Jew-haters. But this Jack Newson Porter is, as a research associate, doesn't sound like he's very high up the totem pole at Harvard. But he was uh, caught on a man-in-the-street interview in Cambridge, Massachusetts yesterday. And listen to this coward shaking in his boots. Even Harvard presidents are not perfect, okay? And she was overly primed by her lawyers. And she, you know, she didn't say the right thing. Okay, so... But it doesn't mean she uh, she should be punished with resignation. She's going to learn, you know. I think she was uh, sideswiped by that question. Sideswiped? The question is, does chance of genocide to the Jews violate the Harvard Honor Code? How are you sideswiped by that? Don't you know what the Harvard Honor Code is? You're the president. I think she was sideswiped by that question. <laughs> it was asked... Of three different people. Weren't you ready for it? She was overly lawyered, he said. So it's the lawyer's fault. Wow. Well, she didn't say the right thing, he says. But everybody makes mistakes. No, no. You're confusing saying the wrong thing like saying, uh, Kevin, uh, where did you go to for dinner last night? Well, I went to X, Y, and Z, but I really went to A, B, and C as it turns out, and so I said the wrong thing. Saying to me, Kevin, do you think it's okay to chant genocide to the Jews? I would never say the wrong thing. There's only one answer, of course, and the answer is, of course it's wrong. Of course it would violate anyone's honor code. Harvard doesn't have an honor code. Maybe that's what confused her. She knew in her own mind that she has no honor and no integrity. So she probably figured by extension as the president of Harvard, Harvard has no honor or integrity code. 
So she was a little confused that way. Well, let's see. We don't have an honor code. How do I answer this? But even then the answer would have been wrong. It depends on the context. No, there is no context, okay? Genocide to the Jews doesn't have room for context. That's the chant. And they'll make excuses. This is what liberals do. Liberals always make excuses for their own behavior, their horrific behavior, their anti-Semitism, their criminal behavior. There's always an excuse. Well, Hunter Biden was a drug addict. It's, of course he didn't pay his taxes. <laughs> she was over-lawyered. I mean, even the president of Harvard makes mistakes. No, that's not a mistake. A mistake is oversleeping, right? Sometimes you oversleep. That's a mistake. Saying genocide to the Jews as a chant depends on the context in which it was said is not a mistake. That's an anti-Semitic view. You hate Jews. You hope they all die. That's what that says. And that's what Claudine Gay believes. She wants Jews to die. And if they die on her campus, even better. She's cool with that. Listen to the geniuses at Harvard. These are students at what is supposedly the number one institution of higher education in this country. Listen to these two people. I do not know enough about that to comment, to be able to comment fully, to be honest. Personally, I think that it's important for university leadership to be held accountable, but I also think that she's tried really hard to, like, fix the mistakes she made. And I do believe that she did make mistakes, like, as an administrator. But I think it's wrong. It's, it'd be wrong to just get rid of her just because she made these mistakes, and it's important for her to show that, like, she's ready to learn and grow from, like, the mistakes that she made. Again, let me re- let me repeat it. It's not a mistake, okay? It's a statement of what she believes. That's not a mistake. She didn't show up late for the meeting. That's a mistake. Oh, God, I thought it was 7 o'clock. And here it is, 8 o'clock. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a mistake. It's okay to chant genocide to the Jews depending on the context. That's not a mistake. That's a philosophy. That's a belief. But how about that chick, that Harvard student? Well, you know, she's trying really hard to learn from her mistake. She's trying really hard. What's she doing? I haven't yet heard her say it was a mistake. Maybe she did say it, but I haven't heard her say it. I haven't heard her apologize to the Jewish student population at Harvard. I heard her lie saying she didn't know how many Jewish students there were at Harvard. That was a lie. Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, also went to Harvard. He went to Harvard Law School. His response to the people defending Claudine Gay. Like, listen to all of these people defending Claudine Gay's. Well, she was surprised. What do you mean she was surprised? The entire topic of her testimony was on this. And the reason she gave that answer is that she sides with the protesters. She is a radical leftist. She is a cultural Marxist. You talk about my book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism. This is cultural Marxism. They define Jews as oppressors. They define Palestinians as victims. And the cultural Marxists support the violent revolution of the victims against the so-called oppressors. 
And the result is because the three of them are leftists, they are cheering for the Hamas terrorists. It is disgraceful. And I got to say at Harvard, you are seeing Jewish students being harassed, being threatened at MIT. You're seeing Jewish students afraid to go to class. And these leftists are unwilling to stand up and defend their students. She should resign. And I got to tell you, I think there are thousands upon thousands of Harvard alums who are horrified at the behavior of the institution right now. He couldn't be writer than Randy Reitenstein. I know a couple of people went to Harvard. They're horrified. I know people whose children have gone to Harvard. They're horrified. I don't know anybody who's not except the liberal freaks that are there now on their board. And, of course, some in the media who hate Jews, politicians who hate Jews. Ted Cruz, what if the chant was genocide to blacks? Would they, would they be expelled for that? You would be expelled immediately. But because they view Jews in the context of Israel as oppressors, you're allowed to abuse. And, and for the Harvard Corporation to say, we stand entirely with our president. You know what it, you know what it's saying? It's saying we're okay with anti-Semitism. We don't want Jewish students to feel safe on our campus. And by the way, Claudine Gay in that same testimony, she was asked about the, the percentage of Jewish students that has plummeted on Harvard's campus. And she said, I, I don't know. I don't know how many Jewish students are there, which is a flat-out lie. These bean counters, they know every transgendered, left-handed, whatever. They know that, but yet they claim they don't know how many Jewish people are on campus. Baloney. They know not only how many, they know where they are. How is it that these Palestinian supporters on these campuses know where the Jewish students are when they're walking to, to class. That's interesting. They know how to find them. They know when they're in the library. They know how to surround them and scare them. Speaking of her plagiarizing, there was another guy who plagiarized back in the day, and it cost him his presidential campaign back then. In fact, it was the two Kennedys that he plagiarized, Robert and JFK. You cannot measure the health of our children the quality of her education, the joy of their play. The gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. Our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge, and meet any hardship. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship. I had prepared some remarks about exactly the topic we're speaking about, the Chinese Communist Party's influence in American academia, uh, research money that uh, leads to theft of intellectual property, hardworking Americans lose, 
uh, Chinese students on campus feeding information back to the Chinese Communist Party, uh, all, all of the uh, donor money that goes to win friends and influence people on these campuses. I, I was going to give a speech. I was the Secretary of State. Uh, we had decided that MIT was the best place to give that speech. And a handful of weeks out before their remarks, I was told I was no longer welcome there. I had to go down on a pretty long list. They ultimately gave the speech at Georgia Tech, go Ramblin' Wreck. Uh, and you can see it. And it was not about my viewpoint necessarily. It was about facts and influence, how the Chinese Communist Party is inculcating our next generation of leaders in the very ideas that we are now seeing play out across our campuses all across the country. I'm sure that's, I'm sure there's a few of them that's true for. A significant number of them are coming here with deep ties to the Chinese Communist Party, and we can be sure almost none of them are up to any, to any good when they come here at the direction of the party. Well, the harassment started after the lawsuit. Um, there was a whole series of incidents, including my room being targeted with posters, uh, teachers getting together, confronting us verbally. Um, this occurred after the lawsuit. So I went on administrative leave, as you just said. And what I'm asking, what I've been asking for from my employer is just assurances that that will never happen again. And we've we've not been able to get those assurances from them. The median home is, is six times as expensive as the median income. And the financial planners will tell you that it should be like three times. In, in 0809, it was 3.8 times, and that was considered a bubble. So that'll tell you the dangerous territory we're in right now under Biden inflation.
Al Gore is the root of all climate insanity. He's the one that started calling it a climate crisis. That comment he made in that clip you played about the 600,000 atomic bombs every day, I've done the math. Since Al Gore has been using that line, supposedly 2 billion atomic bombs have gone off the atmosphere, yet we are still here. Um, look, Joe Biden has glommed onto this language. Joe Biden said this fall that, um, you know, the itty bitty global warming that we're experiencing right now is worse than nuclear war. I mean, these people are just totally crazy. They are scaring the jeebers out of people that don't know any better and that for some reason trust them. If we don't stop Putin, it'll endanger the freedom of everyone almost everywhere. Putin will keep going, and would-be aggressors everywhere will be emboldened to try to take what they can by force. I told President Zelensky uh, our, our very clear message. It's the same thing I've been telling to the White House uh, since I, the day I got the gavel, and that is that we stand with the Ukrainian people, the beleaguered people of Ukraine, and against Vladimir Putin's brutal uh, attack, his invasion of their country. But um, we have to get our own house in order first. And what I've told the White House, and I've reiterated to President Zelensky today, is that we have to have some clarity. We've been asking the White House for a clear strategy that will allow Ukraine to prevail in this conflict, and they've not provided satisfactory answers. We need clarity on the oversight over the precious treasury, the taxpayer dollars of the United, uh, American citizens, and, and we need to know how that money is being spent and, and what the end game is. And the White House has been completely unclear about that.
We welcome you back in, Kevin Slayton with you. Um, I'm being told that people can't hear me, but everything here says that you can. Um, <laughs> it's a little bizarre here. Um, so please let me know if you can hear me now. Um, hopefully we're good and, uh, everybody can hear what I'm having, what I'm having to say. Can everybody hear me now? Uh, let me know because we've got Owen Schroyer getting ready to come on and I want to make sure that we're all in good stead for Owen's visit when he comes. Uh, but, uh, everything tells me that we're up and running and that we're just fine. That would be interesting if we're not. Um, everybody says now they can hear me. So hopefully uh, that will remain the case. <laughs> no idea what happened, but it is a little, it is a little disconcerting that I announced this morning that Owen was going to be on the show and I announced it on social media. And all of a sudden, as we get closer and closer to Owen coming on, people can't hear me out of nowhere. Nothing is different now than was uh, moments ago when no one's, when they said they couldn't hear me. Um, I wasn't aware of that because I was too busy getting things done. But it's very strange, and uh, so we apologize that uh, you lost our audio. Amazing. Amazing. The clips played, but I couldn't play, so I was being silenced. Does this not scare everybody that they have that kind of power? Is that some sort of message to me? Oh, don't you dare have Owen Schroyer on the show? It's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop Owen. They're not going to stop any of us. I don't know. I really don't know who they think they are. But it is amazing. Unbelievably so. Craziness everywhere with these freaks and they are freaks but we're good to go so uh, when owen calls in we're going to have uh, we're going to be ready and obviously at least we think <laughs> we believe it'll be working i want to thank everybody who uh, got a hold of me right away to tell me okay now you can hear us uh we didn't do anything differently but uh, that's okay too really strange But we're going to have Owen come on. We're going to talk about uh, what he's been going through right here in our Monster Energy drink, stl-cars.com, Window World Kings Court. And we all need a, a can of Monster Energy drink this morning, don't we? I had my Zero Ultra with zero sugar, 10 carbs, boom, energy galore. My focus is there. See, here I was focused on the, the problems during the break when everybody told me that we couldn't get audio, and I pressed off. I either fixed it or it started working again, one of the two. I'm not going to give me credit because I didn't do anything differently. It just started working again. And we're happy that it did. We're very happy that it did. But Monster Energy Drink is what gives us the go, and that's what gives everybody the go. Take your Monster Energy Drink can, down it every morning, and you will feel a surge of energy. doesn't matter what flavor you like. I, of course, prefer the Zero Ultra. But Monster Energy Drink's a fun drink, too, and it's a fun sponsor. When, when they have an event, folks... They make that event fun for everybody. They throw parties around it, whether it's a sporting event or they're bringing your favorite band to your hometown. Monster Energy Drink creates events, and they create 
parties and they have fun. And that's the way it should be. Unleash the beast in you with your monster energy drink, the most badass energy drink on the planet. That's monster energy. Hunter Biden, uh, no word yet on whether he is going to appear. He's due uh, in Congress in about eight minutes. So nothing yet as to whether or not he is in the vicinity. When they tell you that uh, the Bidens aren't uh, colluding in some crimes, that nothing has been tied to Joe, just a few examples of how he is tied to his son's business dealings. From 2014 to 2019, $15 million plus received by family members from foreign entities. At least 22 examples of Biden speaking with Hunter's foreign business associates when he said he spoke with none of them. Biden lied multiple times about family business involvement. Investigators released information showing payments to Joe directly from Hunter's business account, which was funded by payments from China. So when Biden said during the debates with President Trump that not only did Hunter not take any money from China, but no one did except Donald Trump. Guess who did? Joey did. So did Hunter. We know those two for sure. And what were those payments for? Care to elaborate, Mr. President? He doesn't know what elaborate means. And he certainly has no idea how much money he's stolen and taken from the Chinese. Selling our country down the river. But that's the Biden family way. And you heard us one of the clips earlier that it's no surprise that people in, in Washington, all these liberals and these bureaucrats, the Bidens are doing nothing wrong because that's what they do. They all think it's just fine. We have laws against it, but never mind the laws. The liberals have never met a law they won't break, especially if it means they get more money or they get more power. That's their gig. Sort of what they're known for, right? Bob Gibson was known for being a great pitcher. They're known for stealing money and gaining power. By the way, one of the uh, people that the liberals keep calling as a witness against President Trump, and they call him in every single case, is this Michael Cohen laughing stock. This guy's a circus clown. Now, Cohen has requested of a federal judge to end his supervised release from prison, and in his request to the federal judge, he cited cases in his motion as to why he should get an early supervised release. David Schwartz is his lawyer, he cited three district court decisions in the motion last month trying to persuade U.S. District Judge Jesse Furman to giving Michael Cohen an end to his supervised release. Furman wrote a court order yesterday, and he said simply this, as far as the court can tell, none of these cases even exist. (laughs) So Michael Cohen's lawyer, in trying to get him released from supervised probation early, cited three cases that don't even exist. Now, I don't know if that would qualify as corrupt or just plain stupid. But it shows you two things. These people will lie no matter what, and they think by insulting your intelligence, they think 
that you won't catch them. Or B, they're just stupid. But my guess is stupidity enters into the picture when it's a matter of thinking. The lies enter into the picture when you just make things up, and they just made things up here. So they're lying, and they're insulting the judge's intelligence, thinking he is like they are, lazy, and he won't check it. That's what the Bidens thought, Abby Lowell, his lawyer, thought, when they went before Judge Noriega on his plea deal. They didn't think she'd read the plea deal. But she did. All of these liberals think that you act like they do. But they don't. We don't. As far as the court can see, these cases don't exist. There can be no bigger shutdown than that. So Michael Cohen, try again. You're free to try again. You're free to try as often as you want, I guess. But right now, if I'm the judge, ain't no way you're getting early release from your supervision. No chance. You have a lawyer who tried to lie to the judge, who tried to make up cases to support his client getting an early release. (laughs) If I were the judge, I would sanction the lawyer and I would file a motion to disbar him. How can you knowingly file cases, cite cases for in support of your motion that don't exist? Well, you made them up. That's how. That was intentional. Now, the liberals will tell you, like they always tell you, like Claudine Gay, it was a mistake. It was just a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes, don't they? My lying to you, Judge, about three cases, not one, three, that don't even exist, and me citing them so that you release my client early, it was just a mistake. This is really how liberals think. They think they can lie their way to anything, and when you catch them, they grab the crutch of, well, it was just a mistake. Why be that hard on me? It was just a mistake. I mean, Claudine uh, Claudine Gay was blindsided by that question. And I guess this lawyer is going to say he was blindsided too. Anything's possible, right, when it comes to liberals. All right. It is time to welcome Owen Schroyer to the show, our friend of the show, uh, a great comrade in arms, and a, and a hero to a lot of people in this country. Owen, how are you this morning? Wow, Kevin. Well, that just gave me a shot of life to hear Kevin Slayton referring to me as a hero. Uh, talk about uh, come-to-life moment. You know, um, considering where I was a week ago, I'd say I'm doing pretty good, Kevin. Well, I can only imagine that that would be the case. Um, what they did to you is subhuman, in my opinion. As I said earlier when I mentioned on social media that you'd be coming on, I said that you have been released from the gulags of Washington, D.C., which is exactly what these are. Uh, the, the, the only difference between them and Nazi Germany, in my observation, is that they haven't started gassing people yet. And if they thought they could get away with it, I believe they would. Am I out of line on that? Well, let me tell you, the treatment of me was subhuman. And there's a whole other issue here that we are kind of missing. And it's easy for us to miss this because most people haven't had the firsthand experience I have about prison reform. But to your question, yeah, I think uh, gassing us, tormenting us, killing us, 
um, I think that uh, they would do whatever they wanted to us. Like you said, if they could get away with it and slowly but surely they're pushing the buttons to see what they can get away with from censorship to the violence on the streets in the name of whatever cause to the violence against their opponents politically, the imprisonment of their opponents politically. They have no problem with that. We've seen. So it's really a scary thing to think. And I know, you know, this is something you and I used to discuss a lot when talking about culture and politics. And you say, how can you get to such a state as in Nazi Germany? Well, you're witnessing it right now. That's what you're doing. When you have people that are lusting so much for power and, and really just have hate in their hearts, forget about, forget about the political bent that the National Socialist Party of Hitler had. It's the it's the same energy. Once once they get this feeling that they can do whatever they want to accomplish their goal and they think they've got enough people and enough power behind them, this is how we see that type of society form. And this is what the American left is trying to accomplish. But this has been the left throughout human history, Kevin. I wish we learned our lesson of the 20th century of what happens when communism and socialism and fascism takes over a great nation. Because we're going through it again. I hope we don't have to learn this lesson the hard way, all of us here in the United States of America. But that's certainly what it might take for people to understand in the West the dangers of these left-wing politics. I don't think there's any doubt that we're going through it. And I don't think there's any doubt that we're in it already. So we haven't learned the lessons. We are going through the takeover of our country, the systematic takeover of our country by these radical Marxists and socialists, and, and this is what they're doing to us. And the intimidation factor is what they're doing with these gulags. And Owen, I'm going to take you back a little bit to when you were in plea deal negotiations with the government for some bogus crime, um, and we'll get to that too, but you were cooperating with them under the guise of if you cooperate with them, if you turn over your cell phones, and as I recall you telling me, they wanted your mom's cell phone, and if you did all of this, then there would not be any prison time. Isn't that what they promised? Yes, and uh, you may know this from your days working as a lawyer. My lawyer's only regret was not getting that in writing. So if you're a lawyer out there, a young lawyer, make sure you get everything the government says in writing, because if you don't, they're probably not going to fulfill what they told you. But they were wild, Kevin. They were wild. And it's not something I enjoy saying, but I'll explain why I did it. Yes, I cooperated. I cooperated with the federal government because the assumption was not only would they not put me in jail, but that it would prove my innocence beyond a reasonable doubt, which it did. And they even mentioned it in their sentencing memo. I had nothing to do with any violent activity that day. The planning of it, the organizing of it, the encouraging of it. I had nothing to do with talking to people that were involved in any violence that day. I had nothing to do with anything. And so when they made these requests and wanted my cooperation in their larger investigation, I said, fine, I have nothing to hide. The people I talk to have nothing to hide. The people I work with have nothing to hide. So I gave them everything they requested so that I could prove beyond a reasonable doubt, once they read all my text messages and everything else that they wanted to read, that they would see 
okay, he had nothing to do with it that day. But that wasn't the case. And as you said, they said, we won't just cooperate. We won't give you jail time. I also sat down for a proffer session so they could cross-reference my testimony with what they found on my phone. And I'm assuming other people's testimony. So we went through all of this. And they still actually asked for 120 days in jail. But, you know, Kevin, here's a little suspicion that I have. I'm not sure it was the U.S. attorneys that wanted to throw me in jail. I could be wrong. I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if this was a call that came from the very top of the Department of Justice. And when they saw that they cut a deal with me not to throw me in jail, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody dialed up from the top of the Department of Justice, who knows, maybe even Merrick Harlan, and said, oh, no, you're going to give Schroyer jail time. And so they had to do it because their bosses told them to. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case either. It had to be somebody higher than them because they'd already made the deal with you. And by the way, as you were discussing and describing that, you were saying that you were you were cooperating in order to prove beyond a reasonable doubt your innocence. That's not your burden. That's their burden. Their burden is to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And, of course, they couldn't do that. There was no guilt involved. What was the actual charge that they hit you with? Entering and remaining on restricted government property, which is actually lower than a trespassing charge. (laughs) And since you ask, that is a misdemeanor crime. Now, this is what's crazy. Not to get ahead of myself, but I know you're going to love this one, Kevin. Throughout the process of this, being in jail, talking to everybody in the jail, going through the process getting out of jail and meeting with my probation officer. I think uh, this is not necessarily a record that I was trying to have or maybe not even wanting to have, but I might be, as far as we can tell, I might be the only person ever in the United States of America to go to a federal prison for a misdemeanor. I might be the only person in the history of the United States of America. I've now been on probation for more than three years, Kevin, for a misdemeanor a lesser than trespassing misdemeanor. And and the torment that they put me through that we've discussed on this phone call isn't even half of it. The probation I'm under is what they put violent criminals under, money launderers other, drug dealers and drug abusers under. They make me pass drug tests. I've passed about 10 drug tests. I just had to take another one yesterday. I've never had a drug charge in my life. <laughs> they go into my financial records. I've never had a financial crime in my life. Nobody's ever seen anything like this before. Why do you think they're they're coming at you this hard? Is it, is it your connection with Alex Jones and the Infowars, or is it simply because you speak your mind, you speak the truth, and you're not intimidated by them, and your appearance at one of the hearings when you told uh, Pig Boy Nadler that, that he was out of line, or, or I'm paraphrasing, and they escorted you out and charged you then with a misdemeanor, uh, is it because of that? And they're trying to send a message. Don't you ever come into our hearings again? Anybody out there? Well, I think that that's one of the big reasons. I think it's a little bit of a combination. There's no doubt that the platform of Infowars and the scrutiny and the focus that it's under certainly puts added scrutiny and spotlight on me from these creeps. There's no doubt that working for Alex Jones uh, has had that effect. But really, I do think it's the latter. Um, and, and there's a lot of people out there that speak their minds. You speak your mind. 
there's a lot of people out there that tell the truth as well. Tucker Carlson tells the truth. But really, Alex, I do think that's the difference, is that I've not been afraid to legally, lawfully, and peacefully go right to their face and tell it like it is. And and I've done it a lot of times, not just in the halls of Congress during their sham impeachment, but I've called out James Comey. I've called out Al Green. I called out all, all kinds of politicians to their faces. And I think that really that's why they want to make an example out of me more than anything. I think that that's my biggest crime is that I dare go right to the power of the Democrat Party and tell them like it is. Because if you think about it, another example of this, and I know we've talked about this on your show for years now, even the disruption of Congress when they were doing their sham impeachment of Donald Trump, even the charge, the charges and the legal scrutiny that I've had to deal with because of that is unseen and unheard of. People disrupt Congress all the time, mostly liberals, I'll have you know. <laughs> uh, one, one significant name being David Hogg. But we can look at recent history. These pro-Palestinian protesters, when they stormed Kevin McCarthy's office, the pro-abortion protesters, I can go on and on. Nobody sits in jail for that. Nobody gets charges for that. Nobody goes through years of court battles for that. Four years now that I've been under the scrutiny for that. So it just shows that, yes, if you're a conservative, if you're a truth teller, if you're a Republican voter, or more specifically, if your name is Owen Schroyer, they're coming after you as hard as they can, harder than anybody else to send a message to you. But if your name is David Hogg and you disrupt Congress or you're a leftist Democrat protester that goes into the Capitol, you will be released and you will not have to deal with years of court battles. You won't have to deal with anything. You know, it's it's interesting to me. I was saying this this morning before you came on, Owen, as we talk with Owen Schroyer, newly released from the gulags of Nazi D.C., uh, it, it, it has to be stopped. And it's going to be up to each of us individually. We have to somehow uh, attack the halls of universities in this country. And by attack, I don't mean go in there and murder people. I mean attack the philosophy that has taken over these universities. These people have to be removed from positions of authority. Uh, this is this is in, this indoctrination is going to poison the youth of America. We're finished as a country if this continues because if they'll do it to you. They'll do it to each and every one of us. They don't care. They don't care that you didn't do anything wrong. They don't care that you're the only person in history that's been jailed for a misdemeanor. And by the way, uh, we're not even accusing you of committing a misdemeanor. You stepped on restricted government property. What restricted property did you engage yourself onto? Well, they're arguing that the Capitol grounds was restricted property. You mean the People's day. Building? That's right, the People's Building. And, and you know, actually, Kevin, it gets even more ridiculous because there's so many layers to this. In the evidence that they submitted to the court, the only evidence that they could submit, and by the way, this is all publicly available information. I know we've published it at Infowars.com. It might be harder to find it there because it's buried with all the news, but if you can get a little savvy on Google, you can probably find the sentencing memo. And they, the one piece of evidence they have to prove that I, uh, cause I guess they had to prove that I knowingly did it or there was some sort of intent, but 
because otherwise I don't know why they even did this. It would be embarrassing for them. The only proof they had that I was entering on restricted government grounds is a grainy picture of a sign on the ground that says grounds closed. Kevin, the picture, which is from a video of ours, is stomped on, covered in mud, crumpled up. I mean, you can imagine after hundreds of people have walked over a sign, what it might look like. It's barely even legible. And that's their one evidence. And they say, oh, he knew he was on restricted government property. You can't even read the sign. There's and, no way I saw the sign. And, and when we say on restricted property, you didn't go in the Capitol building. You were simply on the where the border is to the Capitol, which, again, uh, is the, the people's house and a sign that you couldn't read. This this is why they got you, and the real reason they got you is because you told Nadler what's what, and you told Comey what's what, and every one of them that you told off. That's why they came for you. Well, and let's again go back to the original case when they're still coming after me for disruption of Congress. Because this, I mean, really, in a way, that charge was just as egregious as this charge. It didn't get near the scrutiny and obviously, as an individual, I've, I've grown and my platform has grown. So this case has much more attention on it. But, Kevin, when I first got into court, and I don't know if U.S. Attorney Wang, that's that's his name. I'm not making fun of him. That is his name, U.S. Attorney Wang. I, I'm not sure if this was his brainchild or, again, somebody at the top was telling him to do this. And he's trying to climb the food chain of the Justice Department. Kevin, when we first got into court... They wanted to ban me from D.C. entirely. I am not exaggerating. Their first request to the first judge we saw in this case was to have me banned from Washington, D.C. A less than 60-second disruption of Congress where I cooperated with police and left the building. I wasn't like these leftist protesters that chained myself to stuff. I wasn't like these leftist protesters that resist arrest. I wasn't like these leftist protesters that try to drag it on as long as possible. Less than 60 seconds, said my piece, and got escorted out by police. No problem. They wanted to ban me from D.C. So the first judge, the first judge was, I mean, he almost laughed the U.S. prosecutor out of the courtroom. Um, they requested something similar, but a little less heavy handed to the second judge. The second judge left, uh, laughed them out of the courtroom. And so then finally they got a little bit of a restricted policy that said I couldn't disrupt Congress again or go into the Capitol with intent to disrupt Congress or cause some sort of fuss with intent. And that was never my intent that day. So. Yeah, they really hate having me around that city. And it just shows you. It just shows you. I mean, I guess if you want to go back to our historical analogies here, you know, Hitler didn't really like having Jews around, did he? No. Well, Democrats really don't like having conservatives around, do they? No, they don't. And they don't like having Jews around either, I might add. But uh, let's, let's, let's go back. So you didn't set a church on fire, right? You didn't do that. You didn't never had an act of violence in my life, Kevin. Yeah. You didn't paint political slogans on the streets of Washington, D.C. like the mayor of Washington, D.C. did, did you? No. No. You didn't deface any property. You didn't tear down any statues, did you? No. None of those people who actually did those things were ever charged with anything. Amazing. Tell me about your time in this gulag. Uh, 
I was told that you were able to shower just three times a week in cold water with handcuffs on. Yeah, so this is where stuff gets even crazier. And, I mean, again, it's a list of firsts ever that I never wanted to be on. But I will just say this before I get into the details, Kevin. Um, I believe that God wanted me to go through this. And as bad as it was for me, I believe God wanted me to see all of this. He wanted me to go through this. And he wanted the American people to know that this is what goes on. So first off, when I get in there, they throw me into a quarantine because, you know, COVID is so dangerous. So now I'm sitting in solitary confinement for quarantine for the first week of my sentencing or my jail sentence. So you can imagine what that's like. No movement, sitting in a cell. They bring your food three times a day. Um, they give you, which is the high security standard that I ended up being in for the majority of my sentencing, three showers a day, 15 minutes a shower, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I get out of the quarantine solitary confinement and I get put in general population, which again, this might be a record setting moment. I was in for less than 18 hours because when I get into general, I made a phone call. I wanted people to know that I was okay. And I wanted people to know that I was out and that I could have access to a phone and email and I could at least have some semblance of communication with the outside world. Well, they ruled that to be a violation or what is called a shot inside the prison system. So the day after the day after I got released from solitary confinement, they threw me into what's called the shoe, which is the special housing unit, which is essentially a high security prison inside the prison. It's for people that shank people, people that smuggle in drugs and, and commit crimes in the prison. Well, what was my crime? <laughs> Making a phone call to let people know that I was out of solitary. And so Again, the list continues. I get in there. The guy who runs the shoe says, I've never heard of this charge before. I talk to other inmates who've done long sentences. They say they've never heard of this crime before. So now I'm in the special housing unit. There's no movement. You're stuck in your cell all day long. They bring you your three prison meals a day, which I'm sure people don't have to imagine too hard how nasty and um, you know, disgusting and unfilling those are. The hospital the food Hospital food would be gourmet food by comparison, I would assume. Sure. They uh, don't turn the lights off in your cell. Uh, you're sleeping, and well, this is the case for the whole place, but you're sleeping on an inch and a half, what they call a mattress pad, on a metal sheet. Uh, you get three movements a day. That's 15 minutes to shower, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But now that I'm in the shoe, every movement, I'm cuffed. So I have to get cuffed, walk over to the shower, and get put into a prison shower, which is also locked. And then I get 15 minutes of shower, which is a horrible shower situation there because all they have is you push this button. It gives you like two minutes of a, a, a water spray, and they give you a bar of soap, and that's it. I didn't have any hygiene products while I was in there. All I had was a bar of soap and three showers a day. All you get is prison food. No movements, 
no communication with the outside other than the letters that I was getting mailed. Thank God it kept me sane and gave me something to connect me to the outside world. But for a misdemeanor charge, which never lands anybody in prison, to probably the most aggressively torturous sentence that anybody has ever heard of for a short time prisoner, I had to go through it all. And I'm getting this not just from long-term inmates, but hey, look, there's conservatives that work at prisons too. And I'll leave it at that. And I had some off-the-record conversations with uh, some of the high-ups at this prison who were curious about me and then looked up my stuff and, well, let's just say they're fans of mine now. And with a wink and a nod, they basically said, hey, look, you know, we don't like what's going on with you either, but your beef isn't with us. We're just getting orders from the top here. Well, my beef is with them uh, because it's going to take people like that to say enough is enough. And there's going to have to be an all-out rebellion in this country or this country is going to sink into the abyss. There's no question about it. You said three showers a day. I think you meant three a week, correct? You get three a week when you're in the shoe. Is that right? Three a week, that's correct. Yeah, three a week. When you were cuffed, how in the world did you use the soap to wash your body? Well, what you do is you put your, when they put you into the the prison shower, which is basically like a cell with spray in it, they have a little hole that you put your hand, they unlock this hole, they call it a bean hole in prison, you put your hands through and then they uncuff you. So you are uncuffed while you're in the shower, but it's basically a cell, it's a, it's a, prison shower you're gotcha. inside a locked cage when you're showering okay. did you see hunter biden in there at any time while you're <laughs> no but i will tell you that i was mailed from my friends over at marco polo a book that they published that has the entire contents of the hunter biden laptop inside of it with all the notes connecting all the dots and uh, i left that behind for the prison library so a little good reading <laughs> for some other inmates there. I love it. I love it. Now, Matt Gates mentioned you at one of the hearings. Uh, did he try to contact you or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Louis Gomer, any of them? I have been in contact with Matt Gates's crew, not Matt Gates personally, but I will be talking to Matt Gates later this evening as I'll be joining him on his podcast, Firebrand. So I will be talking to Matt Gates. I'll be thanking him for bringing that up. And it's going to be, it, it, it needs to be a story that people hear because this is not just about me. There are many people who don't belong in prison who are rotting away and being tortured. And Kevin, I, I can't believe that what I witnessed in there was a coincidence. But how is it 90%, and, and that might be a low estimate, 90% of the people that were in this prison were conservative voters and Trump supporters. <laughs> but yet violent criminals and rapists get released on the streets every single day in this country. I cannot believe that that is a coincidence. If I have a conspiracy theory to bring to the air here, the Department of Justice is throwing Republican voters in jail, hitting them with felony charges as another way to try to put their thumbs on the scales of our elections. It's unconscionable what is going on. And as I said, there's going to have to be a rebellion. I say this all the time, Owen, as we talk with Owen Schroyer, newly released from federal prison last Friday for doing nothing wrong. I, I, I say George Washington had the courage. His men had the courage to stand up to tyranny. Do we have the courage today? 
This is we're duty bound by the Declaration of Independence that when we have a tyrannical government, when a government is taking our freedoms away, we're duty bound to fight back. And yet we don't seem to have the stomach, except for a few warriors like yourself, uh, to fight back. There are a few of us. But when I see Hunter Biden show up at court this morning for a deposition and Eric Swalwell is there escorting him, the, the abject corruption of this country is on full display. And they're brazen about it. And it, it's going to need uh, – they thought that was an insurrection on January 6th. We're going to really need one because if we don't have one, they're going to take over. Well, gee, imagine that. Eric Swalwell – walking with Hunter Biden and just a spit in the eye of the American people, a spit in the eye of the truth. This is the same liar and fraud with he and his buddy Adam Schiff, who wants to be a senator now, that sat in front of the American people during congressional hearings multiple times and said, I have the evidence that Trump colluded with Russia. Right. Well, it's been more than five years. Where's the evidence? They never had the evidence. They lied because that's what these crooks do. And it's time that we have a change in the in the scales of justice here, because the truth is it's not Donald Trump and Owen Schroyer and everybody else that this left wing run Department of Justice has scrutinized, imprisoned and tried to destroy. It's the Democrats like Nancy Pelosi, who's somehow worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It's the Democrats like Joe Biden, who has been selling this country out for Chinese communist money, amongst other countries. It's Democrats like Swalwell and Schiff who do their bidding, lying to the American people during congressional hearings about Russian collusion. These are the real criminals in this country. I believe most Americans now know that. But the question becomes, when do we get to see justice? When do we get to see real justice in this country instead of, I don't know what you would call what we have going on now, other than injustice towards their political opposition? Yeah, well, we have abject corruption permeating throughout this entire government. And the, the when, the answer to the when, is when Trump gets back in. And, of course, they're trying to head that off by saying it's all about retribution for Trump. If he gets in, he's going to come after his enemies. You mean like you've been doing for the last three years? You mean exactly like you've been doing? Trump won't come after innocent people. He'll come after guilty people. He'll have a Justice Department that is run according to the law, not things that you make up to go after people like yourself. But we need people to stand up and quit being cowards. Otherwise, hey, hello Vienna. I'm headed to Austria or Switzerland. This place is nuts, and it's dangerous to live here. This is the most dangerous, free, quote-unquote, free country in the history of civilization. Well, and there was a joke that I heard while I was in prison from somebody that has family in, in China. And they said, you know, the only difference between China and America is that we know we live in a communist country. That's the only difference. And, of course, I mean, if you're a, if you're a Christian conservative or a, a white man— yeah, the left is coming after you with their long nails and their claws and their daggers. They've made that perfectly clear. This is not even something that they try to hide from you anymore. And as far as Trump's redemption tour, you know, it, it's, it's, it might be the only hope that we have. But it's not even they want to make it about Trump and they want to try to label him as some sort of a tyrant. 
It's all inaccurate. The people that came after Trump are the biggest criminals, at least in modern history and, and the time that I've lived in America. So it's not even about Trump. Yeah, they came after Trump harder than anybody. And yeah, they've made themselves enemies of Trump. But no, these people are the enemies of America. These people are the enemies of truth. And they're the enemies of everything that's good and fair in this country. So they can try to make it about a retribution for Trump. But we need to make sure we understand this isn't about one man. This is about all the wrongs they've done to this country, shipping our jobs overseas for money, keeping us in never ending wars for money, putting their thumbs on the scales of our election and justice in this country for power. That's what this is about. It's been going on far too long. And they should have been thanking Trump because he let him get away with it while he was president. But instead, they came after him harder. And I hope that the ultimate karma is waiting for us in, uh, well, just over a year from today if we can get Trump back in there and inaugurated. Absolutely. And that's got to be, that's got to be the way it has to come down. Otherwise, as I said, it's over. It, we are so far into it now. If it continues, it'll, it'll be over. It'll be too hard to go back. I mean, you see it from the testimony of these college presidents. But if you were to describe in a word or two your experience in a federal prison in this country for having done nothing and committed no crime, what would that description sound like? Man, uh, I don't know if I could really describe it like that, but I would say, I would just say um, inhuman. Yeah. Inhuman, and particularly for a human being that desires to be frill, uh, to be free, and make the most of his life, and searches for for God's purpose in his life, it was it was inhuman. It was just totally inhuman. And they don't care. They don't care that they treat people like that. And that's how the Nazis were. But when, when when you mention, and I mention it all the time, that these are Nazis, people say, "Well, that's a little strong," and I say, "No, that's a little weak." These people are worse than Nazis because the Nazis were open about it. These people lie to you about their Nazi-like tendencies and behavior. And as I said before, they're just waiting for the time when they can pull the gas chambers out because they will kill political prisoners. They will have no qualms about it. It's who they are. It's what they're about. It's all about power. And when it's all about power, you'll stop at nothing. I know you've uh, you've got other things you've got to do today, bud. Uh, I can't tell you how proud we are of you, and uh, you are a hero to us, and we, we're so thankful that you gave us some of your time as well. Of course, it's always an honor and a pleasure, and, you know, aside from the dark nature of our conversation, it's always great to catch up with you, Kevin, and I know that you and I are going to be enjoying some of that great Christmas music, some of our favorite music on earth. You can count on that, my friend. It is Christmas, and we never lose sight of that, no matter what they try to do. They can't ruin our Christmas spirit. And they won't. Carpe diem, Owen Schroyer. Thank you for the visit, my friend. God bless you, Kevin. God bless you too, man. Thank you. That's Owen Schroyer, folks. That is a harrowing story uh, that we all better pay attention to. If we don't, we shall repeat it. Remember, when you ignore history, you're doomed to repeat it. We're going to put our show up, even though we had uh, audio gaps in the early part of it, and then we're going to put the interview up as well. All of that is to come later on on our website, kevinslaytonshow.com. That'll wrap us up for today. Thanks to Owen Schroyer for the visit. Thank you for putting up with our uh, gaps in the show earlier. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody. Ah!